The lesson today is Jesus over sickness. And we're going to find this in the background passage of Matthew chapter 9. Now in chapters 8 and 9 in Matthew's gospel, there's a collection of stories showing the healing power of Jesus. He touched a leper to cleanse him. He healed the servant of a centurion who understood true authority. He cured Peter's mother-in-law. He cast out demons and sent them into pigs. He commanded a paralytic to get up and walk. Matthew wanted his readers to clearly see that Jesus heals. God still heals today in many ways, but ultimately he's concerned about our spiritual healing over everything else. Jesus' ministry was rapidly growing a following. Some followed to see a show or a spectacle. Some followed to see when he would mess up or fail terribly. Some even followed because others were following. And some followed because they wanted to believe. They all wanted something from Jesus. But all Jesus wanted was their faith. The first point of this lesson is the son of David responds to humble faith. We find this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 and 19, and then skipping to verse 23 to 25. As he was telling them these things, suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt down before him, saying, My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. When Jesus came to the leader's house, he saw the flute players and a crowd lamenting loudly. Leave, he said, because the girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl got up. Now, there was a constant struggle between Jesus and the Jewish powers that be. We saw it in last week's passage about Jesus' healing of the paralytic. And Matthew is careful to bring it out in his gospel. Just after Jesus invited Matthew to follow him, Jesus was degraded by the Pharisees for eating with tax collectors and sinners. When John the Baptist's disciples had asked why Jesus didn't fast, Jesus responded in a parable, explaining that a new patch doesn't work on old wineskins. This explanation cryptically pointed out that the old covenant of the law and the sacrificial system would no longer work. Jesus was the new covenant and would change the way humanity interacted with God. The synagogue leaders were certainly still holding on to the old covenant of the law. It's fitting, then, that as he is, was telling them these things, that one of the synagogue leaders came and knelt down before him. Surely this man knew how most of the ruling members of the synagogue felt about Jesus, and it was probably not in his career's best interest to side with the man who was causing the uproar. But we quickly understand why this synagogue leader was willing to risk his religious position. His daughter was dead. 
Some people at this time might have viewed a, da a daughter as a burden, causing the family to consider the cost of a proper dowry and able, and unable to carry on the family name. But no good father would see her only through those eyes. A good father would never count the cost or consider a daughter a burden. He would be heartbroken at the hopeless news of her death. Luckily, news of Jesus' healing power was spreading rapidly among the synagogues. The synagogue leader by faith came to Jesus and knelt in front of a crowd. He humbly spoke words of faith. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live. We have seen before that Jesus responded to lived out faith. When he saw it proclaimed in the man's voice and actions, he and his disciples followed the man to his home. As was typical of the time, they arrived at the home to find a crowd of musicians and mourners, family and townspeople. Jesus, always in a position of authority, instructed them to leave because the girl is not dead but simply asleep. We can all hear the cruel roar of the crowd. The healer is crazy, but to the one who would triumph over it, death was only a perm as permanent as a nap. Jesus' perfect understanding of earthly death and eternal life really gives us a glimpse into the power of death itself. It cannot compete with Jesus. We might have been offended if a crowd laughed at us, but Jesus did not worry about what the people thought of him. Instead, he lifted the girl, dead girl's hand. He did the same thing when he healed Peter's mother-in-law and a blind man. It's the same phrase used to describe Paul's friends guiding him into Damascus. The one who has power over death is compassionate and tender. Those who need that calm. At the touch of Jesus, the little girl got up. The rich Greek verb can mean to rise or rouse from sleep. It could also mean to also point to raising someone from the dead. Now, it's the same word translated get up. In last week's lesson about the paralytic, Jesus raises all, the sleeping, the lame, and the dead. In the midst of of raising this little girl from the dead, Jesus had a holy detour with another who needed his help. Now, the second point of the lesson is the son of David responds to bold faith. Just then, and we find this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 and 22. Just then, a woman had suffered, who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. For she said to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be made well. Jesus turned and saw her. Have courage, daughter, he said. Your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment. These verses, chronologically, follow the moment when Jesus and his disciples begin following the synagogue leader home. Verse 20 opens with just then, pointing to a significant event. This was the poignant part of the story, and Matthew uses the opening phrase to draw our attention to it. As we consider this woman, we must carefully imagine how her physical ailment affected every part of her life. She had suffered from bleeding for 12 years. 
though many have speculated, we're not exactly sure what the issue of bleeding was. But we know, according to Mark's gospel, that she had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she actually had become worse. Luke's and Mark's versions of the story both point to her desperation of trying everything to find healing, but no physician could help her. According to the Law of Moses, unchecked bleeding made a person unclean, as well as everything and everyone that the person touched. For twelve years, this woman couldn't enter the synagogue, the center of all Jewish cultural and religious life in a city. She couldn't hug her family and couldn't even share furniture with them. As people who quarantined during the COVID-19 pandemic learned, this type of life really is miserable. We need touch and interaction. She had, she had none for 12 years. She, like the synagogue leader, had heard of this one who could heal. Her, unclean, her uncleanness, though, caused a problem. She wasn't technically allowed to be in the crowd for fear of making others unclean. Yet her faith was mightier than her fears. She approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Likely so no one would realize she sullied, sullied the famed teacher. She told herself that it would work. After all, he had healed others with a touch. The end of Jesus' robes was more than just a simple hymn. It was where obedient Jews attached tassels for remembrance. A blue cord to remind them to obey the Lord's commands. Perhaps the bleeding woman touched the hem of his robe simply because it was the only thing that she could grab. But the significance of that exact point of the garment pointed to Jesus' complete and total obedience to his heavenly Father. Jesus then turned and saw her. He paused and, and carefully, just pause for a second, let's carefully picture that moment. Jesus, his disciples, the synagogue leader, and the crowd were all walking to heal a little girl. There was buzz all around. Suddenly, Jesus stopped and turned. We can imagine that several others kept walking a few steps, not realizing that he'd pivoted in the middle of the road. He didn't glance back or look over his shoulder. He turned and saw her, the woman who had been invisible to everyone there, the one who felt forgotten, alone, and dirty. Jesus saw her. The Greek word ido is sometimes translated to know perceive, notice, pay attention to. We saw this word last week when Jesus said, but so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The woman's bold confidence that Jesus could save her without a word or a request got his full attention. His words to her are very significant. Have courage, daughter. Often translated to be of good cheer, Jesus says this phrase several, several times throughout Scripture as he healed or appeared in a mighty way. The woman could have courage or good cheer because she believed Jesus to be exactly who he was. 
The woman was made well. So much more than physical healing. This Greek verb points to keeping safe, rescuing from danger, saving and delivering. It's the same verb used in the prophecy, he will save his people from their sins. Her faith led directly to healing as well as salvation. Jesus called this woman burdened with disgrace and uncleanliness for 12 years, daughter. His compassion was not shaped by her physical limitations. In the next passage, two men were wrapped up in their physical lacking as well, but they too looked to Jesus for help. The last point of this lesson is the son of David responds to desperate faith. We find this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men approached him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, Let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. Then Jesus warned them sternly, Be sure that no one finds out. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout that whole area. So as Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him. Now news about Jesus was spreading so fast, and now two blind men were following Jesus and calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. This was no flippant name for Jesus. It pointed to the fact that God had promised David that his throne would be established forever. The Israelites had been waiting for this son of David to take the throne since the exile some 500 years before. Matthew had even used this exact phrase in the opening verse of his gospel. An account of genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. The blind men were calling, You're the one we've been waiting for, the one God promised to David. Their plea for mercy also looks back to the Old Testament, for many of the Psalms contain a pleading for God to have mercy during affliction. These desperate men were desperately clinging to God's words. They believed Jesus was the promised son of David. And they were calling out to Jesus. The original word means to croak as a raven or shriek, exclaim, or even scream. Their cries for mercy may have been ear-splitting and annoying, but they were rooted in their faith. Yet Jesus kept walking and entered the house. Like before, Jesus entered a house in private to perform a miracle. He didn't need to be a spectacle. He was more concerned about the blind men's faith. Faith is inward, but it's revealed outwardly. Jesus had heard the faith of these blind men, and he offered them a chance to reveal that their cry for mercy was also a statement of faith. Asking if they believed that he could heal them, they responded affirmatively and called him Lord. They had already believed and placed their faith in Jesus. Then he touched their eyes. The Greek word translated touched comes from a root word that means to adhere to or to kindle a fire. Jesus had touched the leper and Peter's mother-in-law and he had been touched by the bleeding woman. 
Jesus wasn't concerned with social distancing around the sick or becoming unclean according to the law. Though the healing was from Jesus alone, he drew a parallel to the men's actions. Let it be done for you according to your faith. There was a strong connection between what they believed and what Jesus did. That doesn't mean that what we we can believe our our house will double in size and it will do that when we believe Jesus is who he says he is. He is entrusting him with the outcome of our cries. We find confidence in how he chooses to act. Jesus touched the men and their eyes were opened. It's the same Greek word used by Jesus when he promised, Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus had proven his own words true. These men had begged for mercy from the Messiah. Their prayers had knocked on the door of heaven and they received their sight. Heaven was opened when Jesus was baptized. The graves when he, when he, the was baptized. The graves when he died and the prison doors were opened by an angel. Jesus has the power to open doors that will never close again. He alone is worthy to open the book and seals. Jesus then tells them, Be sure that no one finds out. As Jesus was still trying to help the disciples and cried, truly understand his Messiahship, despite the misunderstandings, he was there to do miracles such as healing, but that was not his main purpose. He was there to save the lost. Though the men had great faith, they couldn't obey his last instruction to keep it quiet. How could they? They could see, and they would never be the same again. Now I want to close with a voice from church history. Though sorrows, heaviness, and fainings of heart ever so much increase, yet if your faith increases also, it will bear you up in the midst of them. That's Isaac Pennington, who lived from 1616 to 1679. I want to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and I pray particularly today for the sick and hurting, that you would just reach out and touch them and bolster their faith, Lord, because you can heal them. And I ask you to raise them up and... Give them the faith to see that you can heal them and carry them through to the next day. And Lord, I just pray that you'd wrap your loving arms of grace and mercy around them. And Lord, I pray for, for everyone who listens to this lesson that you would just help us to understand that this is as much about our faith as it is healing. We need to demonstrate faith that God can heal us. He heals us every day, whether we realize it or not. He clears our path. He directs our path. He's, the Holy Spirit guides and directs us. And Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would make clear the path for everyone to share this gospel news of Jesus Christ, that he's here to heal and to save us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen.